Section 13 of Louis Pasteur by Albert Keim and Louis Lumet, translated by Frederick Tabor Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 9 The Pasteur Institute. After the close of the War of 1870, Pasteur wrote to Emile Duclos, expressing his great desire to gather all his pupils into one establishment of which he should be the master and where they could work together for science and the cure of disease in accordance with his system and fertile methods. More than twenty years were destined to pass before he saw the realization of this wish that was so dear to him and he was not only infirm but almost helpless when he entered the building that was to bear his name. Thanks to the movement of universal enthusiasm aroused by his cure for hydrophobia, an international subscription was opened upon the initiative of the Academy of Sciences for the purpose of founding an establishment for vaccination and for scientific studies under the title of the Pasteur Institute. Within a few months, the modest mites of the poor and the banknotes of the rich and generous formed a sum amounting to 2,586,680 francs, approximately $517,336, and the institute buildings, slowly constructed, were inaugurated by the President of the Republic, Sadi Carnot, on the 14th of November, 1888. The ceremony took place in the library hall before a gathering, including delegations from learned societies, cabinet ministers, members of the committee of the Institute, presided over by Joseph Bertrand, prominent statesmen and former government officials. Dr. Gonchet, treasurer of the committee, who had been one of the first to recognize the value of the method of vaccinating against hydrophobia, celebrated the discoveries of the illustrious scientist now so nearly vanquished in life's struggle. You know, he said to his eminent hearers, that Monsieur Pasteur is an innovator, that his creative imagination, controlled by a rigorous observation of facts, has overthrown many errors and built up in their place an entirely new science. His discoveries relating to ferments to the generation of infinitely small organisms and to microbes as the cause of contagious diseases have constituted in biological chemistry, in the veterinary art, and in medicine not a regular process, but a radical revolution. Now revolutions, even those inspired by scientific demonstrations, leave behind them, wherever they pass, some victims who do not easily forgive. Consequently, Monsieur Pasteur has a number of adversaries scattered throughout the world, not to count those French Athenians who do not like to see the same man always in the right and always fortunate. And as though his adversaries were not already numerous enough, Monsieur Pasteur made himself others by the implacable rigor of his dialectics and the dogmatic form that he sometimes gives to his thoughts. To this discourse of Dr. Granchet, Pasteur replied in lofty and noble words, in which there was a blending of melancholy and pride and of the deep confidence that he had in the powers of science. And on the day 
when foreseeing the future possibilities that would be opened up by the discovery of the virus, so ran the words delivered by his son, for Pasteur himself was too much overcome by suffering and emotion to deliver them in person, I appealed directly to my country to enable us by means of private subscriptions to build laboratories designed not only for the treatment of hydrophobia, but also for the study of virulent and contagious diseases. That same day, France gave to us with lavish hands. And here we see it finished, this grand building of which it may be truly said that there is not a single stone that is not the material sign of a generous thought. All the virtues have paid tribute toward the erection of this abode of toil. Alas, it is my most poignant sorrow that I enter it as a man already vanquished by age, no longer surrounded by any of my former masters, nor any of the companions of my struggles, neither Dumas, nor Boulet, nor Paul Bert, nor Voupian, who, after having been like you, my dear Granchet, the counsellor of my early efforts, became the most convinced and energetic defender of my method. And yet, although I grieve to think they are no longer here, after having taken part so valiantly in controversies which I never provoked, but which I was forced to endure, although they cannot hear me proclaim what I owe to their counsels and support, although I feel their absence as keenly as on the day after their death, I have at least the consolation of the thought that all this work which we defended together is destined not to perish, and this faith in our science is shared by the collaborators and disciples here present. Hold fast to the enthusiasm, my dear colleagues, which has been yours since the earliest hour, but make strict accuracy its inseparable companion. Assert nothing that cannot be proved in some simple and decisive fashion. Cultivate the critical spirit, taken by itself, it is neither an awakener of ideas nor an incentive to great deeds, but without it nothing is stable, it always has the last word. This which I ask of you, and which you in turn will ask of the disciples whom you train, is the thing which of all others is most difficult for an inventor. To believe that you have discovered an important scientific fact, to feel a feverish desire to proclaim it, and yet to force yourself for days and weeks, sometimes for years, to combat your own discovery, to do your utmost to disprove your own experiments, and to refrain from announcing what you have discovered until you have exhausted every contrary hypothesis, that indeed is an arduous task. But when, after all these efforts, you arrive at certainty, you experience one of the greatest joys that the human soul can know, and the thought that you will contribute to the honor of your country renders this joy even more profound. Even if science has no country, the man of science must needs have one, and it is to her that he should give the credit for the influence which his labors may have throughout the world. If I may be permitted, Mr. President, to close with a philosophic reflection brought to my mind by your presence in this hall of toil, I would like to say that it seems to me that two contrary laws are today at war. One, a law of blood and death, 
which by daily inventing new methods of combat forces the peoples to be forever ready for the field of battle, and the other a law of peace and labor and health which dreams only of delivering mankind from the scourges that beset it. The one seeks only violent conquests, the other only the assuagement of human ills. The latter places a single human life above all victories. The former would sacrifice hundreds of thousands of existences to the ambition of one man alone. The law of which we are the instruments seeks even in the midst of carnage to stay the bloody havoc wrought by the law of war. The bandaging inspired by our antiseptic methods may preserve thousands of soldiers. Which of these laws will be victorious over the other? God alone knows. But of this we may be assured, that French science will do its utmost in obedience to the law of humanity to extend the frontiers of life. What lofty accents and how well they sum up the philosophy of the long and laborious effort which Pasteur unfalteringly sustained. He had reached his home, vanquished by life, to use his own expression, but it was peopled by active toilers, his pupils and disciples, who were imbued with his method and would continue to carry on his work, one and all obedient to his temperament and genius as a scientist. The first buildings erected on the Rue du Tau are devoted to the service of the Bacteriological Institute. They cover a surface space of 11,000 square meters and consist of two vast two-story pavilions parallel to the street and connected by a third midway between them. They contain, besides the laboratories, the study halls and a library, where scientific works may be consulted, and which also contains busts of Pasteur, of Don Pedro, of Alexander III, of Madame Furtado Heine, of Madame Boussicot, of M. A. de Rothschild, and of the Count de Lobespin, all benefactors of the Institute. It is also adorned by two paintings, the one representing Émile Duclos, the other Professor Menchnikoff. Work in this fine and spacious chamber is facilitated by the cordial welcome of its librarian, Monsieur Roussel. An apartment has been reserved for Pasteur. It is at present occupied by Dr. Roux, director of the Institute. All the working rooms, whatever their dimensions, are finished according to the same model, without colors and with varnished walls, with the result that there is always the most absolute cleanliness. The department for the treatment of hydrophobia is installed on the ground floor. It includes a waiting room, an examination room, an inoculation room, besides a laboratory in which are preserved the marrows of infected rabbits, which are used for the preparation of vaccines. In the left wing are situated a lecture room, a laboratory for the preparation of culture mediums, and a dissecting room. The first floor is given over to the course in the technical study of microbes, and the second floor is used for the researches of young scientists who have been admitted for the purpose of carrying on their personal studies. The active work of the Bacteriological Institute is divided into four main branches, the Department of Vaccines, the Department of Hydrophobia, the Department of Technical Microbiology, 
and the Department of Menchnikoff. After the erection of the Bacteriological Institute, the Serotherapic Institute was founded as a result of the discovery by Dr. Rue of the vaccine for croup, and next the Institute of Biological Chemistry. The Pasteur Institute as a collective whole, which had for its first director the illustrious scientist Émile Duclos, forms a vast organism in which the most precious discoveries are evolved. It is frequented by large numbers of students, both native and foreign. It has thrown forth branches throughout the world, and there is today no country that does not possess a Pasteur Institute. We find them in Russia, Turkey, Italy, Brazil, the Argentine Republic, the French colonies, Tunis, Indochina, Morocco, Cambodia, etc. Every year a new building rises on some corner of the earth where there is some special malady to conquer and whither a remedy may be brought. Commissions set forth from the Institute in the Rue du Tote to go and study on the spot these great epidemics, the modern scourges which must be conquered. The Pasteur Institute today, directed by Dr. Rue, is an incomparable working laboratory in which the most precious discoveries are being evolved, and it is also an admirable institute for the promulgation of France's contributions to science. End of Section 13